spooky friends. Welcome to another episode of Dairyland Frights, the paranormal podcast that covers everything spooky, creepy, and mysterious in the Midwest. Uh, my name is John, and I'm here to say I have taken care of the haunted podcast issues. <laughs> Hopefully, we we had on our last episode of Haunted Galena. Uh, well, at least for now. So hopefully there are no more issues from Spectre. You, I think you can figure out what to do with it. <laughs> I, I will clever. deal with it. Um, and, and I'm going to say thanks to my co-hosts, Brooke and Megan, for being pros and taking <laughs> over. Did you miss me? <laughs> we did. We did. Oh, of course. We cried the whole time you were gone, John. We, yeah, we really did. <laughs> uh, I, I thought it was really kind of funny. Um I was texting <laughs> and you're trying to do things and like oh yeah, oh, yeah. Is like, oh. <laughs> anyway like this um, is what John thinks <laughs> so by the way I just wanted to really quickly say this um one of the things we always forget this might be your first time listening to us okay um and if that's true, true uh, what I wanted to do is say like what do we talk about like what is <laughs> What are you guys really doing? So, uh, first of all, you need to listen to past episodes, right? Um, yeah, rate us all of them. on Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, five stars, please. <laughs> and the reason we do this podcast is because we love the paranormal and we like to have fun with it and tell it in our own unique way. Um, Brooke or Megan, do you have anything to add to maybe a first-time listener who? who's listening to this and going, Hey, what do you guys, what's this all about? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would just say if you're interested in, in cryptids in hauntings in alien abductions, anything of that sort, or the best places to visit, if you're interested in uh, a par- the paranormal around the Midwest, it's a good place. It's a good place to be. And, uh, and yeah, like John said, we like to kind of have fun with it. You know, we don't really take things too seriously, but but sometimes it's a little bit, um, you know, we've been doing some like yeah. historical episodes too, a little bit more yep. like uh, a little bit more serious and um, yeah. informative too. So, you know, anything, anything like that. Yeah. Megan, do you have anything to add to, who, you know, somebody listening for the first time? Another thing we also like to do is discuss if we believe it or if we think it's true or, you know, our different insights on it. So you can always follow along and let us know. You can email us at dairylandfrights at gmail.com and join us in the conversation. Yeah, I think that's one of the most fun parts of it, because I think I listen to a lot of paranormal, supernatural related podcasts where everyone is just like very... Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Like kind of overly dramatic and like, oh, this yeah. definitely happened. This is all definitely true. Yeah. And I think that we kind of take a little bit more of an objective approach. Like, well, maybe this is a hoax or maybe right. this, yeah, yeah. you know, I think we're a little bit more, uh, a little bit more skeptical, but still yeah. like, you know, yeah, a good, happy, happy medium, I think. Yeah, we're not the podcast that goes, and then the monster ate the brains of the least. We, <laughs> we could said. be. We could be, but yeah, well, we could. Yeah, I could do spooky, creepy, uh, scare your pee your pants voice. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm like, yeah, okay. After a while, you're like, eh, I get it. I'm supposed to be scared. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> so let's get right to it. Uh, one of my favorite monsters, or visitors, I should say. I don't know if yes. it's a monster. <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a ton of family in Iowa, so I am familiar with this. Oh, nice. But, Brooke, why don't you tell us about a, a strange creature that uh, terrified the Midwest. Or terrified a Midwest town for a week. Uh, this time in the early 1900s. Yes, I, I feel like a lot of our stories take place in this general time frame, but um, but yeah, so this takes place in 1903, a very small town in Iowa was terrorized by a winged beast, this kind of sounds familiar, for five <laughs> nights, uh, leading to an old-fashioned mob being formed to drive the beast out of town, which is always fun. 
Um, but was it all real or was it an elaborate hoax created by some mm. of the town's most prominent residents? We'll have mm. to learn more and then we'll discuss and see what you guys think and what we, you know, what we all think. But I think it's a it's a pretty fun story. So we'll get right into it. Um, a couple of the sources that I used were uh, the Des Moines Register, the Daily Yonder, um, also Chad Lewis's YouTube channel called Supernatural Dares. Oh, I, I know that one. <laughs> Do you? Yeah, that's awesome. I do. Um, I also just wanted to mention, I did not like purchase and read the book because I didn't no. really have time. But I think mm-hmm. like the vast majority of my information like originally sourced from the book called The Van Meter Visitor, A True and Mysterious Encounter with the Unknown, which was written by Chad Lewis and um, Kevin Nelson and Noah Voss, which we will uh, talk a little bit about because it's kind of fun. Um, again, we have a, a personal connection with Kevin Nelson because uh, we all worked with him at one point. So that's kind of fun. No, oh, cool. Yeah. So that is Wizard, if you've heard us talk about him in the past. Um, so, yeah. So um, that a really good book. I Again, I haven't read it, but I know that the vast majority of the information comes from that. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. But. I want to start with a little bit of information about the town of Van Meter, Iowa. So this was in 1903. Van Meter was a small town founded in 1877 by a group of Dutch settlers. Um, Van Meter is kind of part of the Des Moines metropolitan area. Um, It's a little bit west of Des Moines. And it takes up an area of about 1.3 miles situated along the Raccoon River in Iowa. And according to census data, uh, the estimate is that the population as of 1903 was only around 400 people. So it was a pretty small town. Hmm. And um, the the population had actually dropped about 12% compared to the previous census in 1890. So hmm. um, as of also as of 2020, the most recent census, the population of the town has grown to about 1500. So it has grown since then. Yeah, quite a bit. But yeah, but it's kind of interesting that the population dropped between 1890 and 1900. That'll kind of play into when we talk about theories a little bit. We'll see. We'll see. But um, also, this this is just kind of a fun fact. This does not mean anything to me, but maybe it will to John. I think John's a baseball fan. We'll see. Um, yep. Baseball Hall of Famer Bob Feller is from Van Meter. He was a pitcher yep. who played 18 seasons for the Cleveland Indians at the time. Um, one of the, one of his nicknames was the heater from Van Meter. Nice. Actually, yeah, it was just kind of fun. And they opened a museum in Van Meter in his honor in 1995. And he actually passed away in 2010 at the age of 92. So he was, he lived a very long life. But, uh, Um, but yeah, I, I I threw that in there for John. I thought it was kind of fun. Thank you. Yeah. I I used to, I used to be a pitcher, but they didn't call me the heater. Uh, (laughs) You don't want to know what they called me. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I wasn't very good. Um, so anyway. Well, that's okay. That's okay. Fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> I love the heater vent from Van Meter. That's a good, the a good nickname. Vent. Yeah. yeah. So let's get into what happened in the fall of 1903. So uh, the first night of these experiences that people had in the town was the night of September 29th, 2023. So on this night... Wait, not 2023. <laughs> uh, September 29th, 1903. Um, oh. <laughs> I don't know why I can't. Got a little crazy <laughs> there. Just happened, yeah, this is just, that yeah. just happened? That's amazing. It hasn't even happened yet. Uh, oh, that's right. <laughs> my bad. Whoa, we can see it in the future at Dairyland Prime. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe it will. We'll have to keep, you know, keep our ears open. Um, uh, but anyway, so on this night in 1903, um, a man named Eugene Griffith, he was a local businessman, and he was walking home to Van Meter very late at night after traveling um, for work during the day. So at the time that he was walking home, he had to walk through town to get to his home. And it was about one in the morning. So around one, as he passed through town, he saw a light on top of a building that was across the street from him. And he watched it. He was a little bit concerned because it's really late at night at this time, you know, it's, it's just like not considered a normal thing to do to be out super late at night. So, and he Mm -hmm. thought that it originally looked like someone had had like a lantern at the top of this building. So 
he was actually like concerned that a robber might be scoping out the local bank because this is kind of yeah it was either on top of the bank or like right next to the bank so he was um he was a little bit concerned so he kind of stood there and watched um to see what was going to happen and as he watched all of a sudden the light vanished and then reappeared across the street on top of an entirely different building no way yeah so he was very confused he was like what's going on thinking that maybe it's multiple people now not understanding what was happening he continued to watch but the original light had vanished so it was now like across the street on a new building and then at this point he actually saw the light move like across the sky back to a building on the other side like where it kind of originally was and this time it didn't like disappear and reappear he actually like saw it like basically jump across the building and okay yeah so at this point he you know he's really freaked out he doesn't understand what's going on he continues to watch and then he sees the light travel straight upwards into the sky essentially vanishing into the night and so He's just kind of like, what the hell? (laughs) Um, So he continues his journey home after he kind of like collects himself. And then the next day, Griffith is kind of out in town, like telling people about what happened to him to the previous during the previous night. Because, again, at this point, he's not really thinking like this is something supernatural, even though it kind of seemed like leaning that way. But he was Mm -hmm. still a little bit concerned about the fact that maybe someone was scoping out the bank. So he was kind of telling people about it. And um, and it kind of brought a lot of uneasiness to the residents around this small town because everyone kind of talked to everyone at this point. So and no one really knew what was going on. So the second night, uh, Dr. Alcott. So Dr. Alcott is the town doctor. He's really well respected, much like uh, Eugene Griffith. He also they're, you know, very well known, prominent figures in the town. So Dr. Alcott was actually sleeping in his office. Um, that night and he was kind of struggling to sleep at a certain point because a bright light um, shone through his window. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. Mm. So that's interesting. Um, okay. So remembering what Griffith had told him from the previous night, he believed that this was like the same prowler. He was worried. Maybe like the guy was trying to break into his, his practice and, um, and that he was trying to break into the building. So he grabbed his pistol and went downstairs <laughs> And instead, what he saw was um, a humanoid bat-like man with talons and a horn in the middle of his forehead hanging from the right. building. Oh, so he God. went, yeah. Oh, so he nice. went outside and he saw this, um, and super freaked out. He was like looking at it, and then I don't. It seemed like the thing didn't really notice him. And then he took his pistol and he shot at it. Of course, um, of course, as you do, <laughs> and. Um, and then the creature like turns and looks at him and kind of like blinds him um, with light. And he just kind of like, I don't know, apparently wildly, wildly like shot four or five more times. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, just just shooting, you know, whatever. I love Old Town. <laughs> right? Just, you know, <laughs> just shooting into the buildings, into the windows, whatever. Um, so he, he fired a total of five times, I believe. And then the creature... According to him, let out a screech and then flew out into the night. He didn't seem to be physically affected by the bullets, but it freaked the creature out, so it flew away. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it would freak me out. Right? <laughs> um, and apparently the next morning, um, the police came to investigate the scene. They did find five shell casings. They didn't see any blood or anything like that. Mm. Um, so... Now let's talk a little bit about the description of this creature because it is, it's unique. Mm. Um The story, I think, is kind of reminiscent of Mothman stories, the Chicago Mothman and also West Virginia Mothman. But the description of the creature is quite a bit different. Um, It's still like a winged humanoid. um, And that's still kind of similar to Mothman has like a wide wingspan. Um, It's described as being like eight to nine feet tall, uh, leathery bat like wings, which sometimes is how the Mothman is described. Although sometimes they say it's like feathered Um, and apparently invulnerable to bullets um but (laughs) based on descriptions it actually almost looked more like a pterodactyl with uh like a horn Mm -hmm. or sometimes they described it as like a beak protruding from its forehead and that's what was emitting this beam of bright light 
Um, Sweet. Yeah. So if yeah. you, I don't know if you're, if you have the outline open, I did drop a. Yes, I do. Yeah, I drew, I dropped like a illustration in there, and actually, uh, Wizard drew this. This was, uh, I believe, from the book. Oh, really? Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah. So this that is. is awesome. Uh huh. This is kind of what I want that on a t-shirt. Right. It'd be, <laughs> be kind of cool. Um, Talk to Wizard. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But but yeah, so you can see like it has a beak, but also like a, a horn protruding from his forehead. Yeah, and, that is sweet. Yeah, mm. and yeah, it's miss this a uh, bright light. It's crazy that it right? can do that. Yeah, yeah, that is very odd. Um, and then additionally, it apparently emitted like a terrible stench and made a <laughs> <laughs> which you know <laughs> interesting. Um, and it also made like a strange gargling noise, almost as though someone was being strangled, is how some people would describe oh, God. it. Um, although, at, also, um, according to the Des Moines Daily News, which reported on October 3rd, 1903, the noise was described as though Satan and a regiment of imps were coming forth for a battle. <laughs> <laughs> so, in a real newspaper, guys. Think about that. Yeah. People. So picture, you know, uh, envision, imagine in your head what that would sound like. <laughs> this is metal again, right? Another metal moment in Dairyland Price. <laughs> we had the the dude on the elk or whatever. Yeah, the kid, the on. demon child. Yeah, 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 yeah. Flames. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's on fire. And now this metal. Yeah, yeah. That was during the okay. Pesh to Go Fire episode. If you're curious to learn yes. more about the demon Pesh child, to go fire episode. Check <laughs> it out. That's a great episode, metal. guys. Tune That's into great that. episode. Yeah, that is yeah. that is spooky, but very, uh, very, you know, very informative. So, um, so yeah, so that's a little bit about the creature that they're apparently seeing. Um, and this is just the uh, Brooks. Sorry yeah, no, you're fine. You, but this is this is just the first two nights, correct? Yes. Yeah. So they, they've. So let me just recap. So you got a guy seeing this thing jumping around and being like, "Why is that light moving?" Mm-hmm. And then you have another guy shooting wildly <laughs> into yep. the night. Yep. It only gets and worse. Seeing this creep. And that's just the first two nights. Yes. I can't wait to hear about to the third night. Next. Yes. Well, let me tell you, the third night. I'm a little, I was a little confused because some sources refer to this person as Clarence Dunn and some refer to it as Peter Dunn. So I'm just going to say okay. Clarence, I guess. Um, yeah, so, so he, Mr. Dunn, we'll say, um, was a yeah, bank that's... teller. And um, so he was hearing the stories from the other guys um, and he was kind of uh, fearing still not really. I don't know if he had heard that um, Dr. Alcott had like seen a monster. So he was still kind of under the impression yeah. that this might be someone trying to scope out the bank and rob it. So he spent the following night in town at the bank to kind of keep an eye on things. So this night around 1 a.m. again, um, he was kind of dozing off in the bank. He had a shotgun beside him because he was just, you know, again, this is just how things things are. (laughs) Um, And he was awoken um, after dozing off by the sound of what he thought was someone being strangled. Oh, God, no. uh, (laughs) Right? And suddenly a bright light started shining into the bank. So he grabbed his shotgun and he shot at this light um which ended up actually he shot through one of the windows of the bank so he actually shot out the window the front window of the bank and um and you know i i believe he saw the creature and then uh, you know the light disappeared whatever it doesn't like to be shot at even though it doesn't seem to be affected by bullets (laughs) and um again i kind of saw, saw conflicting information about this and one instance i saw that he actually took a plaster cast of tracks that he had found outside the bank which were described as like giant three-toed tracks um but another source said that um the police actually found the footprints and attempted to make a plaster cast but were unsuccessful in creating the plaster Mm. cast so i don't know if the plaster cast actually exists regardless i don't think anyone has seen it and maybe one day it'll show up somewhere in like an archive building. I don't know, but oh, right. um, but yeah. But also, I what is something I thought was interesting. If you recall during the Chicago Mothman episode, I had actually talked about someone who had took a photo of strange tracks in the snow um, near a Mothman sighting, and they were also like large three-toed tracks. They were like twenty inches long, mm. oh, with wow. like two toes at the front and then one at the back, which I thought was kind of interesting because that's kind of how it sounded like these tracks also looked. So, mm-hmm. 
just kind of just kind of interesting but but yeah so then uh, again i am not 100 sure if this was the same night or the fourth night it might i think it was the fourth night actually another time another person ov white was working at a hardware store and that night he was sleeping in his quarters um which was above the store when he, when he was awoken by a strange gurgling noise outside the window this uh-huh. this Creatures just like wandering around, making like gurgling it up, <laughs> gurgling yeah. outside windows. It's in their mouth. Yeah, he just yeah. isn't getting the picture. It's like he's getting shot at, no. and he just keeps coming oh, back. Yeah. I feel bad for like, him. I know, right? So, uh, <clears throat> so again, this guy Ovi White was awoken. He's freaking out. He's hearing this weird noise, so he grabs his shotgun, um, and of he course. he doesn't shoot at it yet. So he actually looks outside and he sees like plain as day. This Van Meter visitor creature perched on top of a telephone pole. And he said that the creature, upon like seeing him, emitted a terrible stench, which nearly brought him like to his knees. So so bad. It smells so bad. Oh boy. (laughs) So uh, at that point, I guess he, you know, really didn't like the smell. So at this point, he he shoots at the creature. Oh um, poor guy. I know. And uh, and this actually, him shooting awoke another nearby man uh sydney greg who was actually uh, a shopkeeper sleeping in his own store and another thing too that i'm finding is like do these guys ever Dang. just like sleep at home they- no yeah what what's going i don't on? know they're all the just like yeah maybe i don't know oh, the wife i gotta sleep in my store. yeah <laughs> or they were just like <laughs> maybe yeah maybe that was just normal occurrence or i guess maybe they were so okay. freaked out by the monster that they just wanted to be nearby but uh sure. but yeah so sydney greg wakes up and he is like looking out the window and he what he sees is this monster he describes it as like hopping like a kangaroo from like building to building and like hold a light pole <laughs> so uh, okay um, huh. also a high school teacher also woke up and saw the monster in the, start in the area <laughs> started shooting wildly no she did not start shooting but she described it as um it was interesting i had never really like heard this word but she described it as antediluvian which is like apparently pre-flood so like olden times like, like, ancient yeah yeah like ancient. yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. Another interesting way to describe it, which also, again, kind of reminds me of the Chicago Mothman story because some people who were seeing Mm -hmm. it were describing it looking almost like a gargoyle and like perching on top Mm, of buildings, which kind of similar. Right. Although I don't remember any of those stories talking about a beam of light emitting from its head, but yeah. And and the other big difference is people are not shooting wildly at these things. That's true. Yeah. Like Chicago Mothman. Imagine everybody started shooting. Yeah. No, that's true. I don't. <laughs> Chicago? I don't remember any. Yeah, right. No. I don't remember any stories of people shooting at the Chicago Mothman. So I Correct. guess maybe we've learned. Yeah. You know. I hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, something actually interesting that um Chad Lewis mentioned is that like these. These people who were seeing this creature were not like the town drunks. Um, they were actually like pretty prominent people. Um, he said that um, that all these people were just like really shocked. They were really respected and important people in town. They were businessmen, bankers, shop owners, teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, he was shocked that like any of them would put their names on the story unless they really truly believed it. Um, just because they had like reputations to uphold they weren't just going to be wildly saying like oh i saw a pterodactyl <laughs> with a beam of light coming out of its head just like for fun right exactly yeah so very interesting um so let's talk about i believe this is the fifth night um the visitors vanquishing <laughs> so Ooh, they're getting essentially, sick of it. yeah at this point right, many go. people in the town have seen this monster they're sick of it it's freaking them out it's you know everyone's on edge apparently they're just toting shotguns around for fun so <laughs> they were sick of this monster um and i would <laughs> i would love to be part of one of these someday but essentially a bunch <laughs> of the boys <laughs> got together and they charged to the west side of van meter where a man named jl platt had heard strange noises coming from a nearby abandoned <laughs> coal mine so they believed that this is where the monster was kind of hanging out mm. when he wasn't you know terrorizing the city so everyone goes over there 
Um, and apparently the monster was there at the mine, but he was actually joined by a second smaller version of the monster. So there were two oh, of them, which is interesting. Wow. Plot twist. Yeah. Plot twist. So I don't know what the second monster was. If it was like his wife or his child or Aww, something. But, uh, Girlfriend. Right? But they got freaked out by everyone showing up and they actually like flew away into the night. But the next morning... I don't know if like the guys left and then came back or they just stayed there the whole night, but the monsters eventually did return and the men had gathered to rid the earth of them, according to uh, news stories, <laughs> um, with their combined firepower, even though, you know, they were apparently into gunshots, but uh, but they were ready <laughs> to start, start blasting the, these guys. So <laughs> can you so, imagine? Um, oh my God. I know, right? Um, so another quote from that uh, 1903 article, which was also very fun. I, I just love how they, they wrote back in the day. Um, they said the reception the, they received, meaning they, the monsters, the reception they received would have sunk the Spanish fleet. <laughs> but aside from unearthly noise and peculiar odor, they did not seem to mind it, but slowly descended the shaft of the old mine. <laughs> so they were just kind of like, whatever. Then they decided to go into the mine willingly apparently and then they were never seen again so huh. this yeah so this mine um i read again in a couple different articles so in one article it said that they chased the the van meter visitors down the mine and then they blew up the entrance yeah. so they couldn't escape but <laughs> separately it said that the creatures just seemed to go down there on their own and then they like calmly buried the entrance so that they couldn't escape so in either case the hmm. monsters ended up down there and they covered up the entrance so they couldn't get back out and um this mine is actually confirmed to exist on the farm of a man named john youngman and is still currently covered up so they i was watching like a youtube video and they Ooh. did like find this mine and the yeah. guy who owned the farm was like yeah yeah we you know we think that maybe the van meter visitors still down there oh, <laughs> oh, no. nice. yeah poor guy and his wife or whatever uh <laughs> so yeah so that was the end of that then nobody i guess saw the visitor after that well there's a couple more recent stories i'll talk about that in a little bit but um but that seemed to hey, be the end yeah bro before you get to theory yeah how is this different from our first episode, the Hodag? Um, right. Like, where would you, I guess, where would you, you know, we, we kind of, if you listen to our first episode, you'll find that we thought it was kind of, I don't know, scammy. Oh, it definitely <laughs> scammy. Like, so why do you think this one is a little more believable than the Hodag? Well. Do you, do you have any off the top of your head? Well, the Hodag was kind of, confirmed to be a hoax because the guy right. okay. you know because yeah. he was like creating like this uh this like fake hodag out of like leather and like wire and stuff and, <laughs> but it was kind of similar in that they they had like an old-fashioned mob go after the hodag mob. as well but i believe I... in that case all the guys who went out there were like all in on the joke uh, okay and um yeah because they like right. took a picture of it they had like a picture <laughs> with the hodags like charred body and they all had like their guns and pitchforks and were posing with it and stuff and and so it is kind of it is similar though like it, it's possible i think that all these guys sure. were in on it and i will talk about that in a little bit like they apparently okay. all these guys like kind of knew each other and were friends so i think that is honestly a possibility um i think like i, I don't know it's a little bit more interesting i guess because it seemed to kind of like leak outside of that, like the teacher like gotcha. kind of saw it and mm -hmm. like all this other stuff. And right. Um, okay. But it, there are a lot of parallels, <laughs> I think. And it is like the same time of like the time of, I think like 1903 is when this happened. And I think Correct. the Hodeg was in like, <laughs> yeah, the 1890s. Yeah. So kind of a similar time frame. Yeah. So yeah. I, I just, I, before you get to theories, just imagine. Just imagine this. You're both in your little small town. You're sleeping in your beds. And then all of a sudden you hear this. <laughs> Nobody slept that week, I guess. Nobody right? slept that week. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, this poor town. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's get to theories. I, I love these theories. Yeah, there's uh, some fun theories here. So 
Theory number one, this is like always the number one theory when it comes to these winged humanoids, is that, oh, it was a large bird or a bat. <laughs> um, Shocker. Right? The Yeah, we've heard that before. Honestly. And the, the bat theory is kind of particularly dumb because the largest species of bat that's actually native to Iowa only grows to be about yep. 13 inches wide. Mm, so uh, yeah. it probably wasn't so. a bat. <laughs> yeah, I don't think people... Hey, Megan. <laughs> Megan, I'm sorry, really quick to interrupt again, but you had that uh, episode about the bat and the thing going through the sheriff's window. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And it was that picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that was explained at all either. So, yeah, that was no. like the man bat of lacrosse, right? I, think I believe that's what, so. Yeah. Lacrosse, right? Man yeah. Bat. That was in our, yeah. um, I think it was just like, interesting cryptids of the midwest episode or whatever it was called but yeah but yeah that was also interesting i think that it's interesting how many man bats seem to be flying around right that's what i'm saying (laughs) what's with the man yeah what is with the man bats uh that's another thing i guess too that differs from the hodag the hodag was such a like unique and odd creature that they just made it was like oh it has the face of a bulldog and it has a spiked tail and it only eats white dogs on Sundays or whatever. Uh-huh. Right, Whereas, exactly. uh, <laughs> it's like this weird, yes. right, yeah. Whereas these man-bat creatures seem to just be like flying around everywhere and everyone's seeing them. Um, exactly. But uh, but yeah, so I don't think anyone's going to see a 13-inch bat and think that it's an 8-foot mm-hmm. tall winged pterodactyl right. Yeah, and this thing was like terrifying people. So yeah, this was huge. Like, why would you be shooting at a small 13-inch bat? Yes, you know? exactly. Um, and then others have hypothesized that it could have been a turkey vulture um, or a sandhill crane. Once again, no, that's I what... don't believe that either. <laughs> I Those know are not that uh, big. Crane slayer, right? No. I uh, yes, that, and that again, Mothman. Like that's what people were saying for the West Virginia Mothman. Like, oh, it was a no. sandhill crane. No, <laughs> like, no, no, no. To to be fair, Absolutely like not. as a as a um, comparison, turkey vultures can get very large. Um, so they can oh, have they a wingspan of up to six feet, actually. However, yeah. if you can believe it, they do not have a horn on their head that emits light. So, no. oh you know, darn. <laughs> That's a little bit different. <laughs> and sandhill cranes are actually not normally seen in Iowa. Uh, we have tons of them in Wisconsin. No. Um, but yeah. So I guess like if someone saw a sandhill crane, they might be a little bit freaked out no. because they don't normally see it. But again, it does not, not match the description at all. No. Seems like everyone wants to blame cranes for everything, but we love our <laughs> sandhill cranes. The cranes can't get right? Break. Yeah. Cranes they do make weird break. noises, though. I will say. Le- Hell I wouldn't yeah. describe it as like a choking gargling, but it, it's definitely weird. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> like it's Satan come around and, my... and such. Yeah, right. <laughs> I will. I will do you both a favor. I, I have cranes all over the place. It's green, crazy country. <laughs> um, I will go. I will go. These cranes are and I record it. Yeah. And then I'll play it live. It's weird. It is weird. <laughs> it, yeah. yeah. Not oh, like that'd be awesome. Else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another theory that is kind of like, I think, a funny, like, fun theory, but I, again, I don't really buy it. But so apparently, electricity had recently been introduced to the town of Van Meter. <laughs> um, so some people were saying that they think that the people may have not been used to seeing shadows around mm. the town at night and that mm. maybe it was like the I shadow of a bat or a bird or something. I love um, it. Yeah. Which, again, I think is dumb because, like, they're not idiots. Like they still were using lanterns and stuff to see before they had electricity. So <laughs> right. they're, they're they understand the concept of shadows. I'm sure right. it's, it's not like they're yeah. So I thought that was kind of stupid, but I, I thought it was kind of funny that like oh you know electricity had been recently introduced. Like maybe maybe something weird happened. Maybe electricity drew the van meter visitor to the mm, town. Who knows? That could be. Yeah. There you go. Um, another thing, so like I mentioned at the beginning, the population of Van Meter had dropped 12% in 1900 compared to 1890. Um, so one theory, um, I heard from like a YouTuber that I was watching is that this could have been like a ploy to draw attention to the town and increase tourism since the, um, residents had dropped. Um, I don't necessarily believe this, though, because, like, at this point in time, why would anyone assume that a story about a winged demon monster <laughs> would make people want to move to the town? You know, like, maybe, maybe uh, today, you know, but right. like back in the day, 
I feel like that would make more people want to like leave and not go there. But maybe that's right. just me. Um, but at the same time, like the Hodeg story was kind of, that was kind of a ploy. But again, that was more of like a fun, quirky, right? Yeah. Like weird story. Whereas this is more like terrifying. Like who wants to live in a town where there's a winged beast and people yeah, shooting at me. it all the time? <laughs> yeah, um, too stressful now. There were some like somewhat similar hoaxes going on around the U.S. at the time, and I don't know how well known these were. Like if these were being reported nationally, but I guess in New York there was a story about a man who found the skeleton of a giant and then yep. they found out that um that obviously wasn't it was a fake it was not a real giant <laughs> yep. um and then in texas there were stories about like winged lizards and dragons flying around that also yeah. ended up being like a right. hoax and this was all like around the same time so so leads to the other thing is that maybe it was just a hoax so a lot of these guys who i mentioned um like UG Griffith specifically and um, OV White and Sydney Gregg, the store owners, um, they were all kind of buddies and they were known as the bachelors of Van Meter, them and like a few other guys. Um, so they, you know, we do know that people liked playing pranks and jokes even back then. Um, again, yeah. listen to the Hodeg episode and learn more about the antics of Gene Shepard. It's a good time. Yeah. But like maybe these guys were like in on it and just wanted to like prank the whole town and just have a little bit of fun. Again, one of them was like a doctor. I don't like I don't really <laughs> like see that happening, but I guess it could be. Um and then also I put in a picture here, which again, we can share on Instagram, but this shows some of the guys who were involved. So in the bottom row, the second guy is UG Griffith. That was the first guy who saw the monster. Yeah. And then in the top row, um, the first and the third guy are Ovi White and Sydney Gregg, the two of the shop owners who saw the monster on the fourth night, I believe. So, um, so they were all buddies and apparently the bachelors of Van Meter, um, so they like to have fun. Good for them. Yeah. And also, like, since people outside of this group saw it, again, like the teacher, like the doctor who's not in this picture, um, <laughs> it can't have just been someone, like, dressed up in costume because unless, right. unless literally everyone was in on it because this person would have been shot at many times, <laughs> which um, <laughs> totally. wouldn't, wouldn't be great. Hey, George, uh, it's like, me. Stop <laughs> right? Funny joke. <laughs> right? Exactly, exactly. William, stop shooting. <laughs> that's how <laughs> they sound down there. <laughs> I can see it. Yeah, that's, that's how I would perceive it. Um, <laughs> so this, uh, I just thought this quote was kind of interesting. This was a quote from Matthew Sharps, a professor of psychology at UC Fresno. He said, the story, um, and he kind of is talking more generally, the story becomes part of the memory. Obviously, these things aren't real, but people really do see them. So they behave towards them as though they are real. They are eyewitness memory errors. So hmm. he said that people with tendencies toward depression, um, ADHD, or disassociation are more prone to see things like UFOs, cryptids, that sort of thing, according to his research. Yeah, um, and he said... It can be a life-changing experience. They go around telling people and they think that you're crazy. So now I've got to prove Bigfoot is there. Now I'm driving around with American Bigfoot Project printed <laughs> on my van and telling my wife I'll be done as soon as I find Bigfoot. <laughs> uh, that quote made me laugh as well. But, you know, I just, but I, I'm just going to say I have ADHD and I've never seen a winged humanoid flying monster. I Sometimes some of this, you know, it's you know, he does research. I'm sure his research is sure. you know valid and everything, but right. I it's you know it's just interesting. You know, maybe it is everyone just seeing something, but Brooke, there's Brooke, still time for now. Yes, there's still time, bro. <laughs> there, that's true. Knock that's on wood. Uh, yeah. Topas or topas, whatever you that want to say. That is true. Topas, yeah. Mm. Uh, fingers crossed mm. that I don't see one tonight. Oh, I you will. I got a costume. <laughs> I'm going outside your window. Oh my gosh, that would freak me out, John. Don't do that. <laughs> Too late. Uh, so I guess after hearing some of these theories, um, what what do you guys think? Do you think this was like a real thing that happened, uh, Megan? What's your what's your take? Part of me feels like if this was like an elaborate hoax or a prank, they took it too far with like shooting guns every night, like <laughs> right. Like, they're like, oh, ha, ha, this is going to be so funny. Let's, like, shoot off a whole bunch of, you know, bullets every night. It's like, okay, that's right? a little bit too far. So in my 
mind. It's like, I feel like something must have had to actually scare them enough that they would be terrified enough to grab their shotguns and right. go after it. But maybe it was kind of like, oh, everyone's playing into this hysteria and that's kind of what brought the the mob together. So maybe it was just something that like kind of build it, built upon itself into something that didn't really need to happen. So part of yeah. me feels like there's still a mystery there. I'm not convinced it was like, like a total planned hoax. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that's a really, a really good point because... Yeah, there was a lot of gun shooting, and and that, like the and it wasn't just like people were making up that there was gun shooting. The police were finding like bullet casings everywhere, so people were really out there shooting guns, mm. you know, wildly <laughs> in the but, streets, yeah, yeah, in the streets of the city. John, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, um, I was actually reading about mob mentality, and that kind of happens a lot with people. There's been numerous stories, true story. Where people have said, you know, like, hey, there's this person or whatever or a creature and then everybody gets together and they just incite each other. And mm-hmm. it's like this mob mentality. For um, sure. And that's what I think would happen. I, I, mm-hmm. I think the creature, though, is fascinating to me because like, like you said, it has had a, another creature with it. So I'm not really sure how to answer that question, but um, I'm not really sure what this was. Um, a lot of bats around uh, Spring Green. So when you go outside in the summertime, you'll be dive bombed by these mm-hmm. bats eating mosquitoes, which I don't mind. Like eat the damn mosquitoes. Yeah, please. They're about please the size of my hand or yeah. a man's hand, a regular man's hand. So it's not like I would start shooting at it. Um, right. So I think it was just the mom mentality and then some type of creature which. I can't say it's a hoax, but I also say maybe it's a different type of creature. Because remember, yeah, too, totally. Remember, too, we have unfortunately <laughs> uh, killed a lot of creatures in this world. Um, mm-hmm. You know, go on a website and you'll see all these creatures that used to exist just like 10, 15, 20 years ago. And now we, uh, well, we killed them because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. we're idiots. So I don't yep. know what to say. I, I think it's part hoax. Part mob mentality and part a creature that everybody went like, I don't know what that is. And yeah, like let's it, kill it. Yeah, <sighs> let's kill it. That's the first I, thing you want to do, right? Yeah. Another thing is like the way that you were describing how this thing looks. It sounds like it would be really hard to replicate in a costume. Right. Correct. Right. Like with yeah. a big wingspan and like a pointy yeah. beak and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. L- like yeah. light coming from its head. Like that would be like a very very yeah. elaborate a lot costume. Of work. For sure, yeah. It's not as easy as just putting on like a monkey suit and being like, "I'm <laughs> Bigfoot" or something right. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting, and I yeah, I feel like I yeah, I don't know what to believe either. I feel like mm. people were definitely seeing something, right? But I don't know what, what was it, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think there's something to say about like the collective conscious kind of like like Topol is Correct. kind of like manifesting yep. something. Absolutely. And when you're hearing from everyone else that they're seeing like a winged beast with a mm-hmm. big light beam coming from its head, you're just kind right. of more predisposed to also see that, even if right. it's not Absolutely. that. But yeah, yeah. But that's interesting. So today, though, um, as usually happens in these circumstances, there is a uh, a festival of the Van Meter Visitor Festival yep. in in Van Meter, Iowa. So every September, um, they commemorate the sightings because they happen in September and October. Um, so Rachel Backstrom is a member of the festival organizing committee. Uh, she said in an interview, the festival usually brings in somewhere between 300 to 500 people. The legend mm-hmm. seems to get more popular every year, and I think we will have a nice turnout this year. It is probably one of the bigger tourist events for Van Meter, but Van Meter doesn't have a huge tourism industry. <laughs> Shocker. The, Shocker. Right? Right. the the Iowa Veterans Cemetery is probably the town's biggest draw. So oh, um, okay. looks like the next one this year is going to be on September 30th of 2023. So, you know, if we're in the Iowa area, it'd be kind of fun to check it out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Also, a bit of interesting backstory, too. So Chad Lewis, um, we've mentioned quite a bit, quite a few episodes. We we talk about him. Um, and he was actually the one who kind of unearthed the story about the Van Meter visitor. Um, so people have, were like kind of familiar with it, but he kind of found like all the old news articles and then they wrote the book about it. And he's the one that actually gave 
this creature his name. So he said he purposely chose something that was non-threatening because we have no reason to believe that this being didn't come in peace. Right. Did not seem to be attacking anyone. It, it was being right. attacked. Um, but yeah. it was, it, he seemed to like be a pretty friendly, well, maybe not friendly, but right. didn't seem to be like trying to kill anyone or hurt anyone. So he named it the, the visitor instead of the monster. Oh, nice. That was yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah, I know. I, I was like, yeah, that's fair. Like I'm on, I'm on the, the visitor's side personally. I agree. But, um, and then some other interesting things. So there were further sightings, other strange happenings. So reportedly, someone in the 1980s who had just moved to Van Meter and had not known about the visitor's story was walking by an old coal mine, and like the old coal mine, I should say. And he saw a giant winged bat-like creature fly overhead. Oh, nice. So Awesome. Maybe, maybe the Van Meter visitor got out. I don't know. That could be. Um, and then in the 2000s, a different man and his family were driving near Van Meter when they saw a giant black winged creature laying. Um, they had thought it was dead by the side of the road. And then when they drove back to check it out, the creature was gone. Hmm. Um, and Lewis learned that there's a lot of strange stories around Van Meter from ghosts in the local high school and the basement of a local bar to sea serpents in the Raccoon River. So, you know, <laughs> maybe Van Meter's just kind of like a, a hot spot for paranormal yeah, activity. Yeah, for sure. Or people just yeah. have wild, wild imaginations. Yeah, yeah right? It's like an X-Files uh, episode, right? For sure. Yeah. I, it's very interesting. But I do believe, though, that certain, like, cities just have a interesting, unique vibe to them, for sure. So, mm. yeah, it'd be kind of cool to visit it. But, um and then, like I mentioned at the beginning, Chad Lewis, along with um, Kevin Nelson and... Uh, Noah Voss, they wrote that book, The Van Meter Visitor, uh, A True and Mysterious Encounter with the Unknown. It was published in 2013. And in the book, Lewis wrote, I can honestly say that after pouring over countless records, interviewing residents, unearthing local history, and touring the sites of the original encounters, I'm still as puzzled today as the people of Van Meter were back in 1903. So very interesting. Um, also, I love these quotes from Lewis in addition. Um, this was, I think he did an interview with the Daily Yonder, if I am remembering correctly. Um, but I just really like these quotes. So he said, in today's world where we crave answers to everything and increasingly disregard gray areas in pursuit of black and white certainties, the space for mystery and the unexplained is perpetually shrinking. And he also said, I have found peace in knowing that I may never know what happened in Van Meter during that fateful week in 1903. And perhaps I am not meant to. Perhaps the answer is not nearly as important as the act of seeking it out. Which I was like, Ooh. oh, I love that. Yeah, okay. Sure. Yeah. It's like, I think that's that's cool. It's, it's fun to talk about and research and learn about these things. But maybe yeah. we don't necessarily it's need an better answer. better not to know the truth sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, I guess... Uh, let us know what you think. What do you guys think, listeners? Uh, was the Van Meter Visitor a flesh and blood monster, a paranormal phenomena, or simply a trick of the eye during a technological turning point in Van Meter's history? Um, send us an email at dairylandfrights at gmail.com with your story. Where we would love to hear it. Um, and if you're interested in stories like this, be sure to check out our past cryptid episodes, especially like we mentioned the Chicago Mothman episode, that's episode 10. Um, episode 1, the Hodag, if you're more interested in the hoax, mm-hmm. fun, uh, goofy side of it. Uh, episode 6, the Cryptids and Legends of the Midwest. Megan talks about the Man Bat of Lacrosse in that episode, so that is also kind of similar. Um, but yeah, we, we talk a lot about cryptids. I They're my favorite, so a lot, a lot of good stories. Yes, and this one was another great story. Um, I want to say again, I plead to people, if you don't know what something <laughs> is out there, just don't start shooting. <laughs> let that not be your first instinct. Please let not. <sighs> stop, people. All right? Stop it. Just um, stop. No, that was really interesting because this is the first story um, that was like, everybody's shooting at it and everything, and then everybody's kind of like, we don't really know what that was. <laughs> Maybe we should stop and think about it. And, right? and it's not like the Chicago Mothman, uh, well, the Virginia one, um, I should say, which we haven't covered yet, but we will, um, that destroyed a bridge and killed 47 people. Right. You, you know, right. I think, yeah. I mean, so this isn't, it's just kind of flying around, jumping around. Hey, you know, like a playful mm-hmm. little animal. 
and yeah. guys are shooting at it and i don't know i'm like yeah. that's really weird right so please don't do that um <laughs> agreed so um we are going to stay. I did the Bachelor's Grove. Um, uh, that was our fun little episode because we had a little technology problem. But I'm going <laughs> back to Illinois again for our next nice. episode, ladies. And we are covering a zoo, right? Okay. The Lincoln Park Zoo. And the Lincoln Park Zoo, oh, you'll love this, has anywhere from 10,000 to 15,000 bones buried underneath the park to this day <laughs> that's crazy okay i need to know this story john yeah it sounds very intriguing the graves are still there underneath and they are still finding graves to this day when they do renovations at the park right so i am truly excited about this um you guys are gonna love this because we've all been to the zoo whether we've been kids or taking our <laughs> like you know whoever right it's, it's a fun place to go maybe not this yeah. zoo. <laughs> uh, they're so, like what should I'm, we do with this land how about a zoo for children <laughs> yeah so it's really exciting i'll explain more uh if you're from illinois you are definitely familiar with this um so wrapping up uh megan anything more to add about the monster or a monster, I'm sorry. Visitor. The visitor, John. <laughs> Thank you, bro. <laughs> Don't mislabel him. He was just trying to live his life. Uh-huh. <laughs> with his wife. Yeah, with his wife. Yeah. Right, just exactly. trying to start a family and their little coal mine. Exactly. And, you know, trying to beat the neighbors. But oh, yeah. can you imagine they just <laughs> like on. move into the town? They're like, we should go check out, you know, the local area. It's and then people are like shooting yeah. at them. Just dealing it's with so life. Sad. Right. So again, don't shoot at visitors or monsters or people for that matter. Yes. Um, and, uh, it, you know, again, say hi. I don't know if you're a ghost from us, but say hi to the Van Meter mo uh, visitor. <laughs> um, <laughs> mob yeah, visitor. Oh. And don't be a mob. So great episode again. I don't love it. Mob. I look forward to sharing the zoo story episode with both yeah, of you. I'm You'll excited. get a real kick out of it. So stay spooky until next time.